Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Around Leeds, there are rumours of a list that exists deep in one of Victor Orta's many notebooks. On that list, there are a number of players broken down per position on the football pitch, all of whom are potential replacements who can be brought in at Leeds United should the need arise. Hello and welcome to Orta's List, a new series on All Stats, aren't we? Which is dedicated to scouting footballers around the world in a bid to create our own version of Victor Orta's List. I'm John McKenzie and I'll be joined throughout the series by All Stats Army's very own Josh Hobbs and a very special guest, scouted football veteran, but Leeds live rookie. It's Joe Donahue. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Um, yeah, really pleased to, to be on. I think that's the first time I've been referred to as a veteran of anything. So it's um, yeah, it's, it's refreshing to say the least. But yeah, no, I've, I've, I've admired sort of the work that, that you guys have done at All Stats Army for quite a while now. So yeah, I'm pleased to, to, to get my teeth into a, a, little bit of, a little bit of scouting, yeah. Mm. And we've been both big fans of scouted football as well, and um, I'm uh, just on my first version of the of the scouted um, handbook. So I'm a I'm a scouted handbook virgin. So I very much enjoyed getting into that. I, I will mention it later because mm-hmm. uh, there is a player honourably mentioned later on who is in the scouted handbook. Josh Hobbs, how are you? I'm doing well, mate. I'm excited about this. Mm. It's going to be a lot of fun. It is, and uh, as Darren pointed out on the podcast today. You are on the live stream. Uh, that's that's how we get you into this into this <laughs> channel, right? So I only come when I get straight off there. my face. We had a long section with t- comparing you to Ginger Spice actually in the podcast, but <laughs> I cut it out because it was a bit too, you know, it was a bit too, I don't know, boomerish. But just to <laughs> just to lay out the format of these shows, so you know what you're getting into. We're going to spend the next hour talking about the left-back position. We'll begin by talking briefly about the position itself and what we're looking for from a left-back in a Marcelo Bielsa system. And then we'll reveal our four potential targets before profiling each one. And we'll end the show by talking valuation and close by picking out our best option in the position. And for those who are wondering, we'll be using Five Yards as our platform to scout and buy players. Five Yards is an online transfer market for fans where you can prove you can spot talent. Their prices 
nicely reflect those of the current market and there's some great scout reports on there too to help inform our decisions and we'll have a hundred million pounds in five yards currency to upgrade Leeds' squad across the next four shows any money spent on a left back decreases our budget for central midfielder and so on and so forth anyway enough about the format let's get into it i'm going to go straight to you josh um because we're going to start off by talking about what we are looking for in a left back so do you want to just give a sort of break brief overview of what you are looking for as a scout in a left back in a Marcelo Bielsa um, system. And then Joe and I will jump in with, with anything that you miss. <laughs> I'm sure that'd be quite a lot. Um, <laughs> no, I think so. Uh, we did a Patreon uh, episode uh, a couple of, was it last week, John? Yeah, it was last week, but we, in it, we were talking about formations and um, uh, one of the things that uh, Marcelo Bielsa wants from his players is, uh, players that can play in in different positions on the pitch based on um, what's happening in the game, what their opponent uh, is doing, and uh, when he mentions left back, he talks about someone that can play uh, as a winger, uh, can come into midfield, uh, can drop into left centre back if needed. Uh, so we need to find a player that has capabilities in like all those positions <laughs> which is which is mad but that's that's our our manager um but specifically uh we want uh someone that's got press resistant qualities because uh that's an area where leads have suffered a little bit uh this season in terms of in build up having Alioski pressed uh quite a lot i think we can or draw our minds to the to the Arsenal away game and how that didn't go so well. Uh, so someone with a, with good touch, um, ability to create space themselves, uh, ability to wriggle out of uh, of danger, um, passing um, quickly, uh, combination play. Someone that's got the energy <laughs> that Alioski has. That's very hard to <laughs> to reproduce, but hopefully some of these players uh, have got that. Uh, and yeah, threat in the box, which is something that uh, I think Alioski's underrated in terms of his threat in the box, getting an attack the back post, uh, as well as putting a lot of crosses. Hmm. We've just got a message from Josh Denby who says, if it's Water's list, you can bet they'll be left-footed, which I think is true. In fact, all of the players we're looking at today are left-footed. Joe Donoghue, you have spent uh, this season watching Leeds for, for Leeds Live. Um, what have you made of the of the left-back position? Like, how, how have you um, sort of learned to, to appreciate what it is that is expected of the left-back in this Marcelo Bielsa system? Uh, varied, I think, is sort of the the one word that I'd, that I'd use to describe the left back position. Now, obviously, you know we've had Alioski there, um, Dallas there, um, very briefly. I think Leaf Davis as well towards the beginning of the season in the the, the cup game uh, and against Crawley. So you know, there's been, I think, the, the one constant uh, throughout those three players has been the ability to to push on into the the opposition half, essentially, which is obviously in a Bielsa team you're always going to need. You know, it's not. Uh, obviously it's a back four, but it's not that flat back four that you may associate with English football. So it's a lot more fluid than that. And I think, especially with Dallas, especially in the recent weeks, you know, seeing how effective he's been um, at coming into that number eight role, uh, essentially as an emergency number eight, um, you know, I think 
that has helped him in his left back duties as well, having that ability to come inside and maybe not being as as overawed as some wide players might be um, when they come into the middle of the pitch and suddenly go, ah, oh, right, I've got 360 degrees to pass to here, but equally I've got three, I've got all angles that, that players, opposition players can come from to tackle me. So I think that that might be, you know, one of the more underrated aspects of, you know, Mr. Unsung Hero, Stuart Dallas. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's a varied position. I think it's one that, um, that you know, I, I'm, I'm glad to be looking at because I think it's one where you don't have an absolute definite starter every week. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a good position to start for for the first episode. I think. Mm. Yeah, and I think maybe just one final thing that I would add to this is that in terms of thinking about what it is that Alioski has done this season, um, it's it's very easy to fall into that uh, trap of just thinking about how are we playing at the moment and how might we alleviate some of the problems that we're playing, uh, we're having at the moment. But I get the impression with, with Bielsa, like he has an ideal way that we're going to be playing and and we've seen a very different play style from the left back in the two seasons in the championship as well. And I suppose when I was uh, um, evaluating the, the the players that we've selected, I spent a lot of time kind of thinking, right, we know what, what Alioski isn't doing well. We know that he isn't, um, great during the build-up. We know he's not great at the press resistance stuff. Uh, but also I was kind of trying to think, well, what is it that Bielsa actually wants from like a left-back in, in terms of some of the the, the general, um, the, the positive attributes that we we saw a lot of in the in the championship, which was, you know, the, the left-back getting really far forward a lot of the time. So um, I'm kind of interested in in maybe some of the qualities that we can see in, in these four players that we've picked, where we can see that there would be a, a, a sort of positive um, aspect for, for Leeds United as well. So looking for the, you know, that ability to carry the ball, some of these um, left-backs that we're looking at are very good ball carriers. Uh, the crossing aspect, some of these um, left-backs are very, very good crossers. Um, which of those do we think are going to be the the attributes that we really uh, need to see in, in um, a left-back with Marcelo Bielsa getting his team closer to the ideal that he wants. So I'll throw that over to you, you both now and, and just just so we can talk a little bit about what is it, what it is that in terms of the attacking side of the game, maybe that we need a little bit more of. Uh, so I'll start with you again, Hobsey. So is there anything in particular that you that you were kind of thinking of when you looked at these four players and thought, you know, this is actually a, a benefit that we could have here that is on top of what we might want from a base level left back? Mm, uh, something that I looked at was um, someone who makes underlapping runs as as well as overlapping runs because I think we don't always see uh, our fullbacks uh, going outside uh, outside the winger but also coming into the box uh, and then hopefully trying to make cutbacks from from inside the box um, so one of the players that I'm going to talk about um, that's something that I think he's particularly uh, good at so I think, yeah, a threat uh, high up the pitch, both in and out of the box. Uh, and as I said, Alioski is a goal threat. So someone that I think will get in positions to shoot themselves as well. Hmm. Joe, is there anything you would add to that? Um, no, I think, you know, Josh is right there in terms of having that additional bit of goal threat. You know, we saw, I think the perfect example of that was the West Brom goal that Alioski scored. You know, you don't, typically see too many left backs in that position for when the ball pops up in that area. Um, but, but he was there and he's very much, he's very comfortable um, pushing up that high because he knows he has the, the engine to get back. Um, and I think it's difficult to replicate that in, in, in players who perhaps haven't been in a Marcelo Bielsa team for two, three years. So I think, 
the the style definitely inhibits the the you know how how broad you're going to throw your net essentially uh, across Europe and, and wherever else for for these mm-hmm. players. Um, so I think you know first and foremost you're going to need pressing intensity. Um, you're going to need the the attacking ability because without those two. The, the, essentially the fundamentals you know you're going to have a player who's just at odds with the rest of the team so I think beyond those two I think yeah y- you know crossing you could you could put into the attacking output um and and I think yeah the, those those two attributes I think are, are the most important really and one of the things we haven't talked about is defending so Claudio uh, says I think having a left back is as dynamic as Danny Alves one who is uh, very dynamic de- decent defensive attributes but has an exceptional offensive sense and th- that's what um, Marcelo Bielsa talks about in that Brazil lecture in 2017 uh, about you know he talks about Marcelo being just an ex- exceptionally talented player going forward maybe not so much from a defensive point of view um I'm interested in what you guys think about the defensive side of the game in terms of the left-back position as well. So, Joe, in, in terms of looking at the defensive side of, of, of these players that we looked at, which what, what sort of qualities were was it that you were looking for in particular? Um, well, the thing with Leeds, obviously, is that the, the stats are always a little bit skewed um, because of how much defending the team does. Um, because, you know, getting caught up the pitch means that you do tend to have to defend a lot more when, when teams break on you. Um, so one of the things I was looking at was whether players are, are are very good at you know you know pitching in with your, your old school defensive metrics you know your tackles your interceptions you know whether they are you know essentially being very press heavy because they they know that they need to re- reclaim the ball as soon as possible um you know if if there were options who were perhaps a bit too passive i think we kind of crossed them off the list because we thought well you know it's going to take them yeah they, they may be a very talented player going forward but if they're too passive out of possession, then you know they're not going to fit in with the rest of the team. Um, so I think, yeah, that's that's been one of the the, the main things um, that that we've been looking at when we've when we've been scouting around for for for, for players who we think could probably fit into that left back position. Hmm. And uh, I'll just hand this over to Josh. I guess the other thing is that we know that Leeds can be a little bit um, uh, flaky in, in defensive transition as well. So how did that fa- factor into your scouting for these players in terms of what the left-back would be expected to do in terms of dropping back in? I think I, I wanted to see uh, intensity uh, from from uh, all the players or at least... Um, feel that they could have that brought out of their game. Um, so, what, yeah, one of the players that I'm going to talk about, his team aren't particularly uh, intense uh, defenders, um, but their system is set up in such a way that there's somebody else in the team that, that can sort of cover his his spot uh, defensively. Um but yeah, it's it's all a question, isn't it? Of do you think it could scale? Like his output could be scaled up uh, when coached in a different system. So, mm. looking for do you think they've got the physical attributes? Like have they got stamina, pace, uh, and then you just have to trust that they would be able to do it if coached to do it. Mm. Yeah, and I think those are two concepts that are going to be really important to this whole series, right? One of them is going to be league effects, what's going on in a in the players' league that means that their stats are going to be a certain way or uh, the eye test shows up certain things. And the other is going to be team effects. So same thing, but rather than with leagues, but with, with teams. So we're, we're going to be spending a lot of time trying to work out whether or not you can take a player 
uh, in a certain team and then move them into leads and that's going to work out. And uh, that means that sometimes some of the stats that we're looking for might not be there, but we believe they could be there um, and, and vice versa in terms of the eye test. So anyway, we've talked a lot about the left back position. So let's get on to the, what everyone's waiting for. So this is the moment of truth, the reveal for the, for the four players that we've uh, shortlisted for this. So I'll just throw that up on the screen now. So I'll just run through them quickly. We've gone for Hoffenheim's Ryan Sessegnon, Brest Roman Perot. No surprises there. He's the one that everyone's been talking about. We've looked at Stuttgart's Borna Sosa as well, and then AZ Alkmaar's Owen Veindahl. Um I think we're going to kick off with Josh Hobbs. So Josh is going to talk to us a little bit about that final player, Owen Veindahl, the 21-year-old at Alkmaar. So off you go, Josh. Great. So, uh, yeah, I think anyone uh, that follows me <laughs> on uh on social media knows I'm I'm big on uh, on the uh, AZ Alkmaar uh, players. They've got so many uh, exciting players, and uh, Veindal is uh, one of those that stands out when you watch them. So he's 21. Uh, he's he's been in the team uh, since he was 18. Uh, I was saying this to the guys uh, earlier. Uh, he's he's played almost 8,000 minutes uh, for for the first team already, which is a pretty incredible uh, amount of minutes for a 21-year-old. So a little bit of reference, uh, Shackleton is the same age and he's played less than uh, two and a half thousand minutes. So we know Shackleton's uh, only started like 10 games or something. So it's it's a bit of a mad one to um, compare him to, but the same age and uh, yeah, nowhere near the same amount of minutes. So before I go on to stay a little bit more, I just want to read uh, some stuff uh, from Five Yards. So uh, one of the things about Five Yards is that there are scout reports on the site. Um, and I've got something here from Felix Pate, uh, who's who's done a scout report on Vaindale. So he's given him a level now of 72. So for reference, that's uh, that's sort of a lower end Premier League player, but he's given him a really high potential of 87, which is that's Champions League quality left back. I think that rating is is fair given that he hasn't uh, stepped out of of the Eredivisie at this point. But to go on to um, something that he says about style of play, um, say so John, you should have that that other graphic for style of play so excellent carrier dribbler of the ball low center of gravity good balance allows him to keep control in tight spaces and take on his man regularly crossing is generally whipped and quite accurate left foot is very strong defensively prefers to hold position and wait to intercept or block rather than proactively seek a tackle quick short passing is strong and rarely speculative and he goes on to say in the section that five yards have, what club could he be perfect for? He said Leeds. Um, so that's uh, that's good for us, uh, I think. But what I want to say uh, about him, so press resistance, I personally feel that he's going to be one of the best on this list. Um, he's come through uh, the, the AZ Academy system um, and they're used to playing out of the back. Uh, it's sort of a very typical thing uh, in the Eredivisie anyway. It's a very technical league. Um, and he, he's very comfortable on the ball. He's intentional. 
uh, with his first touch, looking to make space for himself. Uh, if he's receiving it under pressure, he needs to touch it backwards towards goal and put his body in the way so he can play it back. He'll do that. If he needs to clear his lines, he's not afraid to do that either. Um, he's given quite a big responsibility uh, for ball progression in the team um, because he plays closely in partnership uh, with Ten Coop Miners. I've just butchered his name though. It's it's more like Cope Miners, but <laughs> I can never I can never say it without reminding myself. Um, but he uh, he's like the main ball progressor in the team, but he drifts out to that left back space. Um, so Vandal will play a ball into him and then move up to up the pitch uh, high and wide or drift centrally, uh, inverting whilst uh, whilst Cope Miners uh, looks to yeah play passes through the midfield, have space for big switches of play. Um, he's much more comfortable uh, receiving that chipped pass that we see Melier make quite a lot that I think every time that goes to Alioski, I sort of hmm. tense, <laughs> tense, <laughs> tense up. But I think, I think you see that quite a lot um, with AZ. They play that, that pass a lot. Um, and yeah, I think he's just strong technically overall. He, he does that underlapping thing that I talked about. And when he gets in that position, uh, he's really good at getting his head up. Uh, and he often plays sort of like a whipped pullback um, to the edge of the box because that uh, AZ are, are good at uh, getting runners on, on the edge of the box. So it'd be interesting. Uh, I think now with Rafinha coming across from the right, he seems to be making that run quite a bit where he runs to the centre of the box. Uh, I could see him sort of thriving uh, on, on, those, on those pullbacks. Um, yeah, I also think uh, he's very good uh, at coming central with the ball, which is something that we've seen from Dallas uh, quite a lot. Not so much Alioski, but but Dallas does do it. So if he picks up the ball on around halfway, uh, Vandal will carry the ball through the centre of the pitch. And there was a, a brilliant assist uh, that he made a, a couple of weeks ago for... Um, for Myron Bardou, where he he basically carried it from halfway inside a couple of players and played a through ball, um, which I I just think that shows his his technical ability in that he can operate in that more busy space, uh, and yeah, being able to play a through ball uh, that w- was yeah one of my favourite assists of the season. Just on Vandal, um, I think that that point that you made about um, him being able to come inside, similar to, to how Dallas does, that's one of the things that really stuck out to me as well. Because with with the other with a few of the other players that we looked at, you know, th- they were very much more the type that would hug the touchline. I think, um, and in this Leeds team, you are, I mean, we've seen with the three three one three when Dallas or Alioski has been sort of tucked into that second line of three. You know, there is the expectation that you're going to have to be decent enough centrally with the ball um, and in and out of possession. So I think, you know, being a bit more suited coming inside like Vandal is, you know, that's that's only going to do him favours in terms of, you know, uh, if, if he were to, to to come into this team. Um, because, you know, he's 
I mean, as Josh has just been saying, you know, he's he's very good in the attacking transition. Um, he's decent enough in defensive transition with with his you know his, his his pressing and and being just you know being tenacious without being calamitous, which I think Alioski can be at times. Um, I mean, calamitous is actually quite a strong word to say for it, but you know, he perhaps just doesn't have the the the, the serenity when he when it comes to his his tackling. Um, that I think Vandal is less gung-ho in that aspect. Um, that, yeah. that was one of the things that, I, that stood out and, and I quite liked. Yeah, yeah I, I think I some think of the other players that we've got on, on this list are either uh, playing as, as left wing-backs a lot of the time. So Borna Sosa is obviously the one who stands out in that regard. He's playing he's playing a role that is very different to to what most of these others are playing. But uh, Ryan Sessegnon is also playing, switching between a sort of left-back and a left wing-back. Um, and I think that that really um, is em- emphasizing the fact that these guys do like to, what's the, what's the uh, cliche, get chalk on their boots and they, and they are about finding that width and, and, and making the most of the width. I mean, in Borna Sosa's case, they've got Silas Wamangatuka on the other side, which makes a huge difference in the way that he's played. And um, I think w- this is something we're going to be talking about a lot is, is about how these players fit into their team as a very uh, important part of a tactical puzzle and and you know that the, the the real trick for us is finding those players who we think will be able to take out of one puzzle and fit into the puzzle of Leeds United and, and make it work but sorry Josh I interrupted you there so. no that's fine I, um, I was just going to say on his defending so I didn't didn't mention that but Joe's um Joe said there about him sort of being a bit more um yeah I guess calm in his defending he's quite um he gets out to the man quickly but then he he isn't extremely aggressive in trying to win the ball back he's a bit more um like cutting off the space um and sort of maybe trying to turn the winger back uh which i think i think that works well but i think he would maybe uh, be encouraged to be a bit more aggressive uh, in winning the ball back uh obviously we don't want him to be wild in that but I think he he could uh, need to up his intensity uh, in winning the ball back. I think his one v one defending he can be weak in the in the challenge. Uh, there was um, a goal this weekend actually, where it basically came from him failing to win a tackle. It was a fifty fifty, and he just got completely uh, beaten physically in this fifty fifty, and they got in behind and scored. Uh, and I also feel that he um, he struggled quite a bit uh, against Ajax's uh, Anthony uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, I mean, Anthony is one of the best players in the league, um, but coming into the Premier League, you're going to face players like that uh, a lot more often. Uh, so that's one of the things. It's a real jump up in quality of of wingers that he would face every every week um so that that's one of my concerns but Mm. he's still a a player that i like a lot a question i was going to ask the two of you actually is um vandal is the only player in our list who isn't in the top five leagues in europe Uh, and i just wondered how much you thought that came into play um we'll start with you joe on this because you're obviously covering a lot of players and a lot of leagues for scouted um, what's your sort of general take on on the Eredivisie and, and how compatible it, someone like Vendal would be bringing them into another uh, division like the Premier League, which is obviously a, a step up? 
Um, I think it's it's very hit and miss and it's got a reputation for being that way. But I think a lot of the time that has been to do with the clubs that Eredivisie players have been signing for, particularly in England. You know, whether those clubs in England have been able to facilitate the smooth transition of a player, you know, just because they're coming from a league which is t- traditionally a bit lesser than, um, than, than the Premier League, Liga, Serie A, Bundesliga, La Liga, you know, it, it doesn't mean that they're not, you know, it's it's essentially like saying a player who comes up from the under 23s and then goes into the first team and, and makes the transition. You know, wh- why can't a player from the Eredivisie do that? You know, just because it is a lesser competition doesn't mean that, you know, this player isn't perfectly suited for this for this system. Um, I think it's, it, it's a nuanced discussion, I think is probably a fair way of putting it, um, because... You know, you've got your your Janssens at Tottenham, uh, your Van Nistelrooy's at, at Manchester United. You've you've got, um, you know, the the De Jong brothers at Newcastle who who didn't work out. You know, there's it, it it is very hit and miss. But I think if you've done your your homework correctly on them, um, and you really think that that player suits the way that you want to play, and I think when it comes to Leeds, that's very. Um, you know, it is very relevant because Leeds play in an, in an ultra specific way. So if you're if you're scouting for with that sort of ultra specific lens, then you're going to naturally come across players who are going to fit. So I think it's for, for a team like Leeds who probably do scouting very well uh, as opposed to others. I think it's less of a gamble going from lesser competitions. Hmm. Josh, I'll, I'll go over to you on this, but I will put this question up from Josh Denby, who says, how feasible is the purchase? Are AZ under pressure to sell, i.e. short contract, need money? Um, so do you want to throw throw that stuff in as well when you talk to us about the, the possibility of Vandal coming across? Yeah, um, so first of all, in terms of the um, transition uh, from the Eredivisie, I think we've seen midfielders and defenders make the transition fairly well. Uh, in in the past, uh, I, I don't mean for Leeds because I can't really think of <laughs> of many for Leeds, especially not in the Premier League because it's been such a long time. Um, but just thinking of, of of other of other teams in the Premier League that have signed players from the Eredivisie, uh, I think it's been forwards that have maybe not um, adapted to the league so well, and I think that's potentially because of. Um, they they can get bullied um, by the more physical uh, defenders uh, in the Premier League, but that's that's kind of my theory. <laughs> but uh, I haven't I haven't necessarily sat there and gone through the data of who who works and who doesn't work uh, coming across. But I think you just have to go with, like Joe said, um, the quality of the scouting, and I I, I think. Uh, Vaindal is is a player that he's going to be on a lot of uh, of smart scouts uh, lists, uh, not not just ours. Uh, in terms <laughs> in terms of um, in terms of him being available, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think that uh, Dutch football uh, has suffered uh, quite a bit. In, in terms of um, the the coronavirus uh, lockdown, they've been a, pretty much a whole season without fans. Obviously, so is, so is the Premier League, but the Premier League's got far more TV money. Uh, and I think they're a team that that do produce players that they sell um, anyway. Uh, I think you, we will see quite a few of their uh, 
homegrown stars go in the next uh, season or two. And they will trust that they've got other young players coming through. That's that's how they work. Yeah, I'm aware of time moving on, so we should move on to the next player. Before we do, uh, Thomas Wilson got three out of four of our players. Um, and as I've we been saying... Say our, price. We should say his price. His price is 16 million, I believe, on on uh, five yards. Um, what do you think of that as a price? I'd be very happy to pay 16 million pounds for, for him. That's a, that's a great price for me. For me. And I, I think it's realistic. I think I think they would... I think they would probably take that. Hmm. Right. Let's move on to the next player. So we're going to go with one of your players next, Joe. Um, I think we'll, we'll go with Perot because he's the one that everyone has been talking about. Um, Brest, uh, Perot, uh, get all the chuckling out of the back. We'll, we'll say Brest at the beginning. Let's get it out of our system and, and I'll hand over to you, Joe. So what did you make of Ramon Perot? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of, of, of Romain Perot because um, what we were saying about Van Dahl is, you know, he's very good in, in terms of his tenacity. Um, it's obviously one of the, the attributes that, that Alioski is known for as well. And, and Perot is very much a similar type of player. Um, you know, he, he does foul a lot. He does pick up a few yellow cards here and there. Um, but I think if you can channel that into into some sort of in, into positivity um, in, in this Leeds team and, you know, who, be- who better than Marcelo Bielsa to, to coach a player? Um, then I think you know there is there is an argument to say that you know you can take this 23 year old um, and, and and turn him into something really 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 good for the team. Um, on the, the the topic of being a goal threat, um, he is similar to Alioski in in terms of being a goal threat. Um, he's got um, the last time I checked, I think it was an xG of of 1.6 so far this season, which obviously isn't that high, but he's a left back. So for for a left back, that is quite quite high. Um, Given the, the the quality of chances that he's likely to be getting, um, and and he's got three goals to show for it, um, and all three of them have been from similar positions to Alioski's goal against West Brom, um, you know, on that left hand side of the box, you know, striking it really well. Um, he's he's got a very good shot from distance, um, has Perot. So um, I think, in 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 the name of shot locations, then maybe he'd need to be coaxed a little bit further to goal at time. Um, and, you know, maybe encouraging him to say, like, look, you know what? Your chance of scoring goes up by 10, 20% if you actually just get five yards closer. Just be a bit more patient. Um, but, you know, for, for, for players who, who you know, feature in t- positions which are typically lower scoring, you know, there's a greater allowance for, for variance in, in when it comes to their XG, obviously. But, you know, he, he does have a lot of shots, um, which I think it's, it's not a drawback. You know, he's it, what it shows is that he is getting into positions where he can pop shots off from range you know um Alioski is currently in the top uh in, in 75th percentile so the top 25 percent of fullbacks across Europe's top five leagues um whereas Perot is in the top five percent so you know you've got an, an uptick on shot taking from a player who doesn't play in a team who is as you know as as attacking as leads so you have to say on the point of scalability from um from what Josh was saying earlier you know that, that there is the potential there for Perot to increase his shot numbers even further um, and, and just it increases attacking output in general. Um, so, you know, they're, they're very similar in terms of shot creating actions, which Rodrigo has been fantastic with this season. Um, you know, so again, that, that shows that he's taking up these positions which are of value to, to, to Brest. So, you know, again, scalability, it shows that there is potential to be exploited there. Um, I think in terms of his defending, um, it's, I mean, Brest invite the pressure Whereas Leeds initiate it, so 
you know, that's why I think it's difficult to make too many assumptions on how he would he would adapt to to the defensive um, side of things with Leeds. But in terms of his passing, one of the areas that I really liked was, you know, he'll pick up a lot of the time he's he's got his back to the touchline. So he's playing balls sideways, he's playing balls backwards. You know, he doesn't have the 360 degree view um, that, that a lot of players have, you know, ones who typically play centrally. Um, so I think it, it would be important to to perhaps encourage him to to play a little bit more centrally, to come more uh, into the middle of the park, uh, similar to how Dallas and Alyoski do. Um, but one of the things about his distribution that I really, really did like um, is that it kind of mirrors Ailing on the other side in that he will ap- attempt those cross-field balls, um, which at the moment we don't really see Alyoski do very much. And when we do, the accuracy is kind of here, neither here nor there. Whereas Perot is actually quite good at that, and and I think those those higher passes uh, are, are what sets him apart from the current options that that Leeds have at, at left back. Um, and yeah, essentially, you know, the foundations are there. I think um, to 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 develop this, you know, twenty three year old who's only really had two one and a half two seasons at the top level um, into a really good player. You know, he came into the world of professional football quite late, so I think there's definitely potential there. Josh, in terms of the the build up uh, play, what did you make of Perot from that point of view? Yeah, I thought um, he he's quite wriggly. If you if you if you, you know what I'm saying, like, mm-hmm. I think when he's being um, when he's being pressed, and he they do get pressed a lot uh, as as a team because of the nature of their build up. Um, he's good at sort of quickly turning away. He tries to sort of turn to then be able to play up the line if you can and then clip it down the line um i, I like that i like that a lot from him um and i think yeah i would trust him a little bit more in terms of carrying the ball out of pressure uh than i do alioski who i always think is going to take a heavy touch at some point and then and then it's going to come back the other way um yeah, I also noticed those um, those crossfield balls, but it was the it was the clipped balls down the line that um, that stood up stood out to me, and I could sort of see um, Harrison or whoever if Rafinha is playing on the left and running in behind a bit more than Harrison does. Uh, I could see them thriving on those on those passes. Um, yeah, another thing that I that I uh, felt about him. Uh, defensively, actually, I, I wrote down he's terrier-like. Uh, he's hmm. quite sort of snappy in his um, in the way that he tries to win the ball back, and that that to me made him seem the most Bielsa-like out of possession. Um, mm-hmm. However, yeah, like like Joe said, he does give fouls away, um, which, as we've been chatting earlier, we don't mind that. If it's in the right place on the pitch, uh, it's when it's uh, it's when it's in positions uh, that leads are going to suffer from from set pieces that I'm a little bit more concerned. But um, I watched him earlier uh, against um, against Lille, and I thought he handled Akone uh, and uh, Araujo uh, really well. Um, both of them were coming out onto his side, uh, suffered a little bit if they came inside. Um, but we see that with with Luke Ayling on the other side as well. So um, that it's going to happen when you have good attacking players. But I think he's I think he's good uh, going forwards, and 
and going backwards. So I'd, I'd be very happy if, if we did sign him. Yeah, well, Perot for me struck me as being maybe one of the, the most well-rounded of the players that we looked at. Um, it seemed as though he was sort of pretty good at, at every area that we talked about being being important. Um, and he was, again, as you've been saying, Josh, he's one who, to me, seems like an obvious, um, sort of having an obvious upside in a Bielsa team. There's things that he does that make it, that, that remind me of what it was that Alioski was doing well in the championship side, for example, uh, getting into those areas, uh, good, good crosser of the ball. Um, I think he'll be, I think he'll be okay in build up play. Um, I, I think he does invert, maybe inverts higher up the pitch um, from what I saw, but I think if you can invert from, uh, he's obviously inverting if he's getting those shots away. Um, I think you can do that in the, in the central spaces as well. Um, let's just talk quickly before we move on. Cause again, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of time, but just about crossing, like what, what, how important do we think crossing is for, for the left back position in the Leeds team, Joe, given that I think last season we made a big thing of how um, Leeds were, were build up on the right, switch it across to the, to the left, to, to Harris and try and get him one-on-one against an opposition fullback. And if that option was, on then he would just roll the ball back to whoever was the left back and they would sort of drill across him um do you think that 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 sort of thing is going to be on Bielsa's mind and and Orta's mind as they're looking for this kind of player um well I think it should be uh because you know you don't really see the 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 attacking makeup you know the Harrison Bamford Rafinha you don't really see those those three changing between now and and the beginning of, of next season really um Considering that Bamford's obviously closing on our 15 goals for the season, and and Rafinha has obviously done what Rafinha has done, um, you know you don't really see that much that changing too much. So you'd assume that you'd be recruiting for someone who's going to work well with those three players, particularly Harrison, um, if obviously his future is is, is clarified by that point. Um, but you know I think in terms of crossing, it's very much like passing. You know the, a good cross is made by the person who's on the end of it, just the same as you know a good pass is made by a good run, and I think. Crossing is, we'll we'll get onto this with Borna Sosa, but you know, crossing is made a lot easier if you've got somebody in the middle who is he's going to cause a problem, he's going to just dis, dis, disrupt um, the the defensive makeup of of the team that you're attacking. So, I think the the, the majority of these players that we've discussed, um, you know, they do have the the technical quality to be good good crossers. I think Perot is one of them. I don't think he's the best in this list. But I think he has his crossing abilities is at least passable. Um, and while I don't think that that's one of Alioski's strong points, I don't think it's one of his real downfalls either. I think mm. that you know he can maybe be a bit rushed with them. Uh, they might hit the first man on occasion, but you're going to get that with any player. No, nobody is going to replicate the the Trent Alexander Arnold um, style of of crossing, you know, without being either immensely naturally talented or or you know costing a similar fee that, that Trent would cost. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of good crosses, but I think it's, it, it's there are a lot of, there's a chain, essentially. There's a lot of factors that come into play. Hmm. Let's go on to the price then. So uh, five yards have uh, Perot down as £18 million. I'll go to you again, Josh. What, what, what would you make of that £18 million as, as well? Are you happy with that sort of price? For <clears throat> uh, yeah, I think it's about where I thought he would, he would be at. I, I had a little look at what their... Um, highest sale ever was I think it was Gineppo, uh who's at Southampton. I think he was about seventeen million. Um, so I think that's right. <laughs> don't, don't don't quote me on that, even though I've just said that on on air. Yeah. <laughs> and, and we will be coming. He, he, 
Sorry, John. Do, yeah, you go, Jim. Um, they, they have the Brest Sporting Director Gregory Lorenzi spoke to Lequeep, um the other day, or it might have been last week, uh, and he was he was referring to interest in Roman Favre, who is who plays on that left hand side in midfield with with Perot. But he was saying that you know they they'd signed uh, they'd sold Ibrahima Diallo to to Southampton. Um, uh, Diallo, and it for, wasn't for around, for around 15, 15 million euros. Um, and he said that naturally the attacking players would cost more. But to me, I was sort of reading that as, you know, essentially that price that which has been listed, you know, as a left back, a defensive player who by, you know, um, by de- uh, deducing sort of what Lorenzi was meaning by that, um, you know, players, he would perhaps cost in that range. And I think with another tranche of, you know, 125 million, roughly thereabouts of Premier League TV revenue, I think, if you spent if if you spent fifteen on a on a on a fullback, which is a position which needs sort of a little bit of surgery on, then yeah, I think it would be it would represent a good investment. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. And we will we will come back at the end here to to, to talk about the relative uh, pros and cons of, of of paying for however much for each player. So, um, but before that, I am going to move on and uh, we'll talk about my player who is Ryan Sessignon. So Ryan Sessignon, 20 years old, 30 million in the uh, five yards um, database. Um, Everyone will have heard of Ryan Sessignon. We probably will have seen him play. He came through the youth system at, at Fulham. Um, moved to Tottenham Hotspur, but has barely played there. Um, this season, he's been out on loan to, to Hoffenheim, who are a mid-table side in the Bundesliga. They're about 11th uh, at the moment. They had a fairly disappointing season. They were out of the the Pokal quite early on, second round to a lower-ranked side. They've just been knocked out of the Europa League, um, knocked out by Molde, the Norwegian side, which was a bit of an, of, of an embarrassment after they uh, absolutely flew through the, the, the groups. In terms of... Um, Sessignon himself, he's played 14 times in the Bundesliga this season um, and his season sort of punctuated by a, a fairly long spell out um, between match day 15 and 21, which, um, which which was down to a so-called knock, whatever that means. But it means that his season has sort of split in, in two halves. So those 14 games came across those two halves. Uh, in terms of the looking at the data, his numbers are pretty good. Um, I have I, I work for... Um, analytics FC so I've had a look at him in their database and he's the 
the highest ranked left back under 23 in their system um, in terms of uh, the qualitative um, metrics that they've got. So take that with a pinch of salt. It depends on what they um, rank as being good or bad metrics in that sense. But um, he's clearly putting up okay numbers. Um, he, again, he's another player who's putting up some fairly good attacking numbers. He's got 004 uh, XG per 90, which is well over the average for left backs. Uh, and he's got 0.08 uh, expected assists as well, which is well above the average. His crossing accuracy is quite low. And this is something I picked up on. I didn't rate his crossing that much at all. Uh, he finds the keeper a lot. He also puts the ball on the edge of the box um, to to a centre midfielder, not even a centre back, uh, which, <laughs> which I thought was, <laughs> was interesting. But beyond that, he, he has pretty good numbers in terms of, um, and, and a lot of this comes down to the fact he's played as a, a left wing back a lot this season. So Hoffenheim have played a, a 4-2-3-1 with him as a left back, uh, but they've also played as a 3-5-2. And so he does have license to get forward. And obviously at Fulham, he was uh, he was largely an attacking player there as well. Um, so he's got some he's got some decent numbers in terms of getting the ball in, in advanced spaces. Um, but defensively, he comes out quite well as well. Um, he makes a decent amount of tackles uh, per 90. So 2.4 tackles per 90, which is well over the, 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 the average for left backs in the top five leagues um his tackle success is about average um so he's getting a, a high volume of tackles but um he's he's making sort of the, the number that you would expect um the other big thing in his defensive side is is pressures he he's i think the player that we looked at who had the highest uh pressures per 90 15.9 which is which is good alioski i had a look at and he was um he was a little bit higher than that i think he's closer to 18 19 20 uh, per 90 but that's obviously a team effect um, the other thing to say is that his dribbling numbers aren't that great. He doesn't put up a huge volume of dribbles, and um, uh, and that surprised me a little bit because um, he he does uh, I think have that in his locker, and we we've seen that when he when he played as a, uh, a more attacking player at Fulham. And in terms of just the the sort of style side of things, um, I broke this down into just sort of defensive and, and offensive. I think as a defender, he's he's an interesting player because I don't think the I don't think that he's a great defender. Um, in, in many respects. And I think the reason why he's got good numbers but doesn't look great is because I think he's maybe quite an athletic defender. So he uses his athleticism to defend. That's why he's got really good pressing numbers. But sometimes I think he it's, it's almost like he makes up for uh, maybe a little bit of a lack of finesse defensively by by being able to catch up with play that gets past him. He can he can get turned quite easily in in 1v1 uh, defending, which I think is a little bit nervy when, when you're talking about a man-marking system. Um, other than that, though, I think he, he's an intelligent positioner. I think his positioning was largely fine. Uh, and also he was, because of his athleticism, he's, he's very good at defending in transition. So um, I, I, in terms of his defensive side of things, I thought he was, he's, he, he reminded me a lot of Danny Rose, actually. I remember Danny Rose, when he first started out, was was a similar sort of defender who would, who would lose players tracking them uh, but then he would have the athleticism to get back and 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 maybe even surprise them uh, on the ball so um on the offensive side of things i've got poor crossing i didn't think his crossing was was great um but i thought his his build up was okay i think he can um he can build up if he's given um a, a few yards of space um i think he he can maybe lose his capacity to control play when when the opponent is a bit more aggressive uh, which i suppose is a little bit worrying given that that's something that we picked out as a as a weakness in in alioski's play um i think sometimes he has a tendency to pass into opponents down the line. That's something that I noticed him doing quite a bit, but he does underlap well in build-up as well. So he's another player who I think 
if push comes to shove, would be able to invert in that way. So um, there's that. In terms of dribbling, one of the weird things that I picked up on him in terms of his dribbling and his ball carrying is that it's, it's almost like he has like two different tempos. It feels like sometimes he gets into a sort of left-back mindset where he does left-back things, and then he gets into a sort of left-winger mindset where he's like, oh, I've got space in front of me. I'm going to, I'm going to go for this. And it's sort of like he moves from naught to a hundred miles an hour very quickly. And I think sometimes I would like to see maybe a bit more variability in his tempo so that, so that he's not thinking, oh, I've got space in front of me. I can just go as fast as I can in a straight line, dribble down the line. Um, sometimes it'd be good for him to, to sort of hold the ball up and try and bring it inside as well. And obviously that's something that I think would be pretty important for, for Leeds as well. Um, in so, insofar as we do a lot of build up playing in, in wide areas where you have the, the left back, one of the eights, and the winger uh, in a triangle trying to move the ball around as well um so yeah i think that's that's pretty much everything that, that i've got on on um Sessignon. i wondered um we'll go to you first joe i mean Sessignon is a, a guy who's been around for a while per english football um and i think there's there was quite a lot of hype about him especially when he was at fulham and then he moves to, to spurs but hasn't really seemed to to make that that leap into the highest level I wondered what your your take on all of that was yeah I think he was always better with Fulham or at least looked better with Fulham because he was playing he was the impetus in uh, what was a, a pretty passive team you know when he broke through at 16 Fulham were you know in sort of the lower reaches of the championship um before sort of you know surging back up and getting that that first promotion um before that he was then obviously sold to Spurs you know I, I think with him, he, my only concern is that he's played a lot of minutes at a very young age and his profile is very athletic, as you've said. I, I just wonder whether the demands that would be placed upon him in a Bielsa team with his, his his history of playing sort of so many minutes would perhaps lead to him maybe even breaking down um, in, in sort of the, maybe not as bad as Urente has been sort of since he signed, but, um, you know, in, in, in a similar manner, to, to, to that, you know, you know, being taken aback by the the stresses and strains that that will be put under put uh, put upon him um, in in training. Um, I think, as as you mentioned, you know, he's when I look at Alioski, I think he's he's perhaps a, a he's not a stocky player, but he is stockier because he's he's less slight. He, he's 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 more diminutive. He's he's around five foot nine, which is similar to the likes of Perot, um, Sosa. Uh, as well, whereas Cessignon is, I think he's at least five ten, if not closer to six foot. Um, which, I mean, he may he may appear taller because of his because of his build. Um, so I think that there's 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 potential, but if 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 it was me, he wouldn't be my first choice. Hmm. Yeah, Josh, you had concerns about his defensive um, attributes. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah, I, I just found him a bit wild. Um, like you say, just sort of fly out to the man, like, and then he doesn't like with with uh, Vandal. He gets out to the man, and then he sort of tries to square him up, positions his body well, and then act from there. But Sessignon, it's just like go straight to him and lunge in. <laughs> that that that's how it, it sort of came across to me. But um, yeah, you you obviously gave us the stats for the upside for him which are his uh, attacking metrics and that was another that that stood out to me that you could see that he's played a lot as a winger um he's still got those those winger instincts and uh, i think out of all of these he would be the one 
uh, who would be the biggest threat arriving in the box. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess he, he's similar to like Alioski in that sense, right? Uh, Alioski and Dallas, for that matter, were both considered to be wingers in their in their early careers. So it, it would be a potentially logical move for him to to move back into that into that left back position under Bielsa uh, as well. I think. Let's move on quickly, but I just want to talk a little bit about the price and the situation as well. Um, we've we, well, we've got Boydie Boyd in the chat here saying, uh, "I'd be very surprised if for Spurs to sell Sessignon, especially considering their squad and HG situation." Uh, I don't know what HG stands for there. Homegrown, um, uh, homegrown. Um, but yes, I think we've got him down as thirty million pounds for on on the five yards platform. That's obviously the most expensive. Uh, player that we're looking at by a long way and I'm not convinced that that the extra 10 million that you're paying for him is worth it um what 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 do you make of that Hobbsy yeah I, I mean I pretty much agree I think it's there's the premium of you're buying from a big club um whereas with all of these other ones that I think it would be a step for them a step up for them um so yeah uh, he's he's clearly the least value here. Yeah. Well, again, I'm conscious of time, so let's move on to the final player. Sorry, I've not given you a huge amount of time to talk about him, Joe. But uh, Borna Sosa plays basically a left left wing back for VFB Stuttgart, um, and he's valued at 17 million on the on the five yards platform. So, what do you make of Sosa, Joe? I mean, my first take of, of Sosa, sort of watching him, was was that this this player is not a defender. Um, he very much <laughs> hangs hangs very wide on the left and very high. Um, but that is again when when you when you're talking about Stuttgart, it's very much the same in the Bundesliga. You know, they're very similar to Leeds. You know, they've got a very you know very fluid way of playing. Um, it's very, it's ultra specific. You know, they, they make for games with uh, plenty of goals, um, which again sounds familiar. You know, they're fun to watch, and that's because they kind of do throw caution to the wind in the same sense that that Leeds do. Um, I mean, with the difference with with Sosa is that yes, he's an attacking fullback. Um, but he's less of a goal threat, much more of a creative threat. Um, however, I'm going to be a bit of a the, the caveat king here and say that there, while he is a creative threat and he's very good at crossing, he does have six foot seven Sasha Kalajic uh, to aim for in the middle, and that is, I mean, that's pretty. You know, six foot seven. You don't get too many players who are, as, firstly, as mobile as Kalajic, and you know, second of all, six foot seven um, to, to aim for. But you know, statistically speaking, you know, he is pretty much the, I mean, by far the most creative player in this list. Um, he's in the 99th percentile for fullbacks for expected assists. He's got 4.8 this season, um, which is, I think it's similar numbers to Rafinha. Um, you know, he's, he's in the 99th percentile for key passes as well as actual assists. So pretty much across the board there, you're looking at a very, very creative player who's very much received the ball, head up, cross, head up, bomb on uh, and, and cut back. Um, but again, those numbers are are slightly skewed because of how you know vivacious that Stuttgart can be. Um, you, I mean, similar. I mean, similar to to Perot, you are going to get those ailing type crossfield passes um, from 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 Sosa, which I think is 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 one of the areas that I think if you're looking for balance on both sides of the pitch, then that is a good a good attribute to have. Um, in terms of drawbacks, though, I think he's quite one footed. You know, you, I, you know, he relies on having that touchline. I like, quite, I hadn't heard it, but I quite liked your analogy, the chalk on the boots cliche uh, from from earlier on. But he is very much the a chalk on the boots type of player. Um, he, he likes to hang wide, and 
it's difficult to, to assess how, how good he'd be in a back four, in this Leeds back four, because he is essentially playing ahead of three central defenders with Stuttgart and two, well, definitely one defensive midfielder and then one box-to-box midfielder who's very, very adept at doing defensive work. So, you know, he, he doesn't have to do a great deal of defending. So that would kind of be my red flag is that he's not really that intense with his pressing. He hasn't done very much... Uh, in the way of defending this season because he hasn't had to. So it would be very much an untried, untested um, player. But attacking, it, I mean, it, this is the opportunity cost. You know, attacking, he has shown just how effective he can be. Um, and, you know, pretty much every attacking metric, he is up there among every fullback in Europe's top five leagues. So it's one way you have to balance it out and say, well, are we going to take a bit of a gamble and say that, you know, Sosa could be the player that that you know the 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 Luke Ailing of the of the left hand side in terms of progressive carries and actually going one step further and and being the the crosser who's going to deliver you know balls on a plate for for Patrick Bamford's head um i i do wonder i do wonder but yeah the the, the take home message is that yes he does start as a left wing back but you only need to look at the player who's on the opposite side who is Wamangi Tuka, who is essentially a striker, but playing as a right wing back, um, to, to, to exemplify just how unique and niche his, his position at, at Stuttgart is. I'm glad you said Wamangi Tuka there, because I think it sounds great in a Newcastle accent. So thanks for that. <laughs> um, in terms of Sosa, yeah, as you've said, I think what's so interesting about him is that so much of Stuttgart's tactics are based around, you know, getting space for Wamangatuka on one side and then getting space for mm-hmm. um, for for Sosa on the other and making sure he has plenty of space and time to just get those crosses in. I'm not sure that that would happen so much, um, at least the way that Leeds are playing in the Premier League this season, in terms yeah. of the fact that we're we're not we're we're being pressed quite aggressively in wide spaces because I think teams realise that that's that's pretty much our tactic: get the ball in those wide spaces and uh, and try and get the ball in from there I'm not sure he would have he would enjoy quite the same amount of space and time uh, in in that respect and so I think it's really tough to to, to judge as you've said what what would Sosa look like in this in this lead system and I, I share a lot of your concerns with them as well uh, in terms of his defensive capacity his one-footedness especially when it comes to build-up um, I'm, I'm always a bit nervous about one-footed players in build-up um, as, as well but Josh I'll give you a chance to to talk a little bit about Sosa from from what you saw what were your general takeaways about him I'm, I'm not going to really add anything because you guys are the um uh, other two that I think can speak a little bit more about the Bundesliga than than I can but um the one thing that I I felt having watching him was um he would be top of my list if we played the three-five-two that we have occasionally played uh, more regularly. But it turns out we play it sort of three times a season. So against so Sheffield it's... United, basically, that's it. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you can't, you can't it. bring in a player just when you play Sheffield United. That's a little <laughs> we, bit too we, much of a luxury. <laughs> we we played it a bit last season where we had like a, a run of games in sort of November time where Harrison just had the whole left flank to himself. Um, but then we randomly we stopped doing that and we've never really done it again apart from mm. against Sheffield United. Um, but yeah, he would be perfect in that role, but we don't really see it very often. So yeah, for me, um, he's he's fourth in, in, in my list. Mm. Well, we have him down here as 17 million in terms of uh, the trans- uh, five yards 
platform. Joe, Joe, what do you make of that? 17 million for Sosa is good business, right? Um, I mean, it, I think anything in that in that market in that range um, is probably good for a for a left back who's probably going to start 30 odd games in the Premier League for you. Um, you know, any player who you can get for under 20 million in the market nowadays is pro- is is either um, a, a player who you've got very good value for or is someone who you're going to look to develop. Um, so I think 17 million is probably a fair fair reflection, really, because he has been quite important for for Stuttgart this season. Um, but one thing I will say is that if he did sign for, I mean, any other club, not just Leeds, I think you'd definitely see a drop-off in those attacking numbers. Um, absolutely. Right. Well, I think we should move on to talk about which one of these four players we will get. I'll throw them up now. If you're in the, um, if you're watching this stream and you want to get involved, throw down the player that you would go for in the chat. We'll just have a quick um, chat about which players we're going to go for. And I think the best way of doing that really is to maybe uh, try and draw up a, a rough ordering. So we'll start with you, Joe. What what sort of order would you put these players in in terms of your um, ideas about how they would fit and the availability and the cost for leads? Um, I mean, first off, I'd, I'd probably go with. Uh, well, do I'll go with fourth first. I'll, I'll rattle off number four first. I'm going to go Sessignon fourth, um, sort of bottom of the list. I just think 30 million um, could be better spent, especially that last 10 million, really. Um, I think the, what, what you're getting is not far and away above what you're getting for potentially half that money. Um, with it, It's actually interesting. There's one of the comments has come in uh, from Rob Biggins. I, I was thinking with Ryan Sessignon, I think he's quite similar to Jamal Lewis at Newcastle. Um, in terms of he's very athletic and relies on that athleticism to defend. So um, I think I'd, I'd put him fourth. Uh, then I'd have um, Sosa third, because as we discussed, the defensive output, I just don't think is is strong enough. I don't think it would scale uh, as well as it would with what we've seen from from Vandal and Perot. Um, and yeah, it's it's a toss-up, but I think the Liga experience edges it for me with, with Perot over Vandal. I think Vandal, you might pay. I, I, I actually think you could probably pay more. Azed could probably ask more for Vandal because they are a Europa League club, um, whereas Brest are very much a mid-table league inside. Um, and and uh, essentially based on what Gregory, Gregory Lorenzi has said. So I think Perot is, as you said, John, probably the most well-rounded. So he would be um, he would be be my my choice. Hmm. Uh, Josh, we'll go to you then. What, what's your um, ordering then? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree definitely uh, Sessegnon at the, at the bottom. Um, he probably fits us better than than uh, Sosa, but the price alone, uh, I think, puts him bottom uh, for me. I uh, agree also with, with Sosa, but I think I'm going to go... Vandal, um first, um, so Perot sitting in second. Um, however, I, you know, we've we've already heard from Phil Hay that Perot seems to be the favourite uh, of of um, of Orta and and the recruitment team. So maybe that's the one we'll, that we'll end up with. But um, I think I just personally, I like Vandal a lot. I think he's got. A little bit more variety uh, in in a, in attacking. Hmm. Yeah, this is this is a tricky one for me because I think I would probably go as Sosa last, not because of my talent idea on him, but because as we've said, stylistically, I just don't think he would fit 
at, at Leeds and I think Sessegnon would, but I think there's a big gap between Vendal and and Perot being what I would be looking for, I think. And then Sosa and, and, and Sessegnon. Um, and to be honest with you, I could go either way on, on Perot and, and Vendal. So I, I hate feeling as though I've got the deciding vote here. Yeah. <laughs> but um, again, you know, it's, as you've mentioned, Josh, it's it's hard to... It's hard to go beyond the fact that it seems very clear that Perot is going to be is the player at the top of Orta's list, and has already been <laughs> has already been approached in terms of um, being signed in the, in the summer. So, maybe we um, have to pick him. Yeah, maybe we do. But for me, I, I would just say like Perot. I like Perot, but like you said, I, I just felt with with Vandal, it was maybe a little bit more a little bit more rounded in the ways that we needed. Um, in in some respects, I think Perot maybe felt more like a a left back, whereas I obviously Vandal can play as a as a left wing back as well. So there's a little bit of variety there, um, and as you've said, he 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 sort of makes himself available in, in other ways. So I would my tendency was to, would be to have Vandal uh, first as well. But I can see why Perot is top of the list, and I can see in terms of the practicalities. Um, so I, I guess my list would be sort of. Perot, Vandal joint first, and then and then the other two below that. So, um, does anyone want to have any final says on who we actually go for? In the end? I think um, I think Joe's point that um, Perot is playing regularly in in a top five league already um, sh- should really swing it his way. Um, he is more regularly defending against uh, yeah. against higher quality uh, talent. We're getting a few comments um, about Vandal having a higher ceiling as well. Um, we've got a few as well. Zazm1980 has also said that. Um, and I, I kind of feel the same way as well, but um, I think I could go, I, again, I could go either way on that because I don't think it's going to be a massive gap in their ceiling either, right? It's not It's not going to be the case that we, we get mm. Perot and then suddenly Vandal is going to be like a top five in the world left back. It's, it's, it's going to be paper thin the gap between the two of them so it could very much go yeah. either way uh do you want to make any concluding remarks on on this this distinction joe because i feel uh, like we, we 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 sort of threw you in the end threw you in at the deep end giving you the, <laughs> the first list and then we sort of deconstructed it a little bit so yeah any any final thoughts on that no i've enjoyed the deconstruction um because <laughs> it has essentially made me more entrenched in my view that i think parole would probably be <laughs> The, um, the, the the best choice in terms of you know if you if you weigh up all the options I think it, it, it's difficult to say whether uh, it's always difficult to say who's going to have the highest ceiling when they're not playing in the same sort of the, the same experimental conditions some shall we say um, but in terms of the scalability I think Perot's defensive metrics are the thing that swings it for me uh, because he is making a lot of pressures in a team who uh, do not do not have a lot of the ball, which is obviously you know, one thing that you're going to need in a Leeds team. Um, and his defensive output, his, his tenacity is obviously going to be very important. That's not something you're going to have to drum into him in the first six weeks at Thorpe Arch. So, um, yeah, I think uh, the, the Perot being value for money uh, and probably being quite well-rounded, still having the, the, the attacking output, the goal threat that we discussed, I think um, he, he edges it for me. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy to go with that. So um, yeah, so gosh. first thing, first thing tomorrow morning when uh, five yards transfer market opens, I'll be on there buying Perot, and we'll we'll be back next time to <laughs> to, to show it off, show off mm. our uh, our squad with uh, with Perot in there. 
Yeah, so we'll be back in a couple of weeks' time. So it should give us it will give us at least one game week for him to to do well in, and uh, we can show you the profile as we go along um, to show you how how we're doing in terms of the purchases that we're making. Do head across to Five Yards um, to to see what's going on over there. But uh, I think that's us done uh, for this first episode. It's been great fun. I've had a really good time. Thank you much, so much for coming on, Joe. You'll be back in two weeks' time, I hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Thank. It's been great fun. Thank you for having me on. It's been a, a pleasure to get the invite. Yeah, I we didn't do any honourable mentions, did we? And I did say I was going to mention. Oh, yeah, the we completely handbook. forgot the honourable mentions. I'm going to show. This is a scouted. <laughs> this is a scouted handbook. You may have seen this on on Twitter. Um, there's plenty of great stuff on here. And Rico Henry, a player who we've not mentioned, has a profile in here. So very much recommend you getting hold of, of that. And uh, that's very much down to to Joe and the work that he does over there. Um, and we should push as well the scouted uh, podcast as well which is absolutely brilliant i've really enjoyed uh, getting into that recently so do you want to do you want to push anything on that that side of things no thank you very much for for saying so um yeah we we do the the podcast and and, and the handbooks um and and pretty much just anything to do with with under 23 players um so yeah if that's if that floats your boat and um yeah it, it, the, the, with the podcast we like to sort of tell stories that have got a bit of a, an under 23 spin on them but um yeah. yeah if if that's if that's your thing then then check it out at um scouted football hmm. and if you've made it through an hour and 10 of this then i'm presuming it is your thing so i can heartily <laughs> heartily recommend that and josh josh is writing for them as well so you yeah. can get both of these lovely chaps on on, on there but uh, it's time for me to draw this to a close thank you both for coming on i've had a great time and we'll see you all in two weeks time catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 